Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I'm just so glad you're here. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface. We're going to talk about everything from life to love and pretty much everything in between. So go ahead and leave that Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is freaking messy. Don't I know it. Now, not only are we going to be real, we're going to have some fun too, because Lord knows I will find any excuse to bring up Beyonce or the latest episode of The Bachelorette. So if you're a new friend, welcome. Make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective podcast on iTunes. And if you're an old friend, welcome back. And would you do me a quick favor? Hop on over to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and written review. I would be so grateful. Finally, if something stands out to you in this episode, go on and slide into my DMs on Instagram. I love hearing from you. It's at The Refined Woman. Now let's go ahead and get to it. Welcome to The Refined Collective Podcast. I am your host, Kat Harris, and welcome to the first episode of 2021. (laughs) Can we just... Take a deep breath and breathe into that. We made it. I feel like I crawled tooth and nail, like literally with my teeth crawling forward to the finish line of 2021. And we made it. Also, real talk, this is the third time today I am recording this episode, which honestly feels fitting because I feel if... 2020 taught me anything. It was to let go of my attachment to my agenda and realize that nothing really is in my control. I started recording it the first time and then all of a sudden had this weird coughing fit. And then the second time I'm recording and Crate and Barrel delivery dude called me and said, Hey, we're here to drop off your couch that I'm so glad they're dropping off, even though they're supposed to drop it off in three hours. And so stopped recording for that. And this is a third time. So hopefully third time's a charm. I literally have everything off. No Wi-Fi on. My phone is off. We're recording this freaking podcast, whether the world wants me to or not. All right. So to be honest, I have been kind of putting off recording this episode because I'm tired. Like I am tired and exhausted and burnt out creatively, emotionally, spiritually, any sort of way that I can feel tired. I feel as though I feel it from 2020. And I love New Year's. I wanted this to be an episode that was like, New Year, who does? Like, what are your goals? Let's do this together, ladies. But that's just not the place that I've been in. So I've been putting it off because I have put this pressure on myself to be upbeat and inspiring and encouraging to you. And I want that. But in that, I have felt as though I've been trying to force something to happen, like Gretchen from Mean Girls trying to make Fetch happen. A upbeat, fast-paced episode to launch you into the new year. I don't know that I can do that for you. But I can be honest with you. I can share where I've been in 2020 and um, what I hope for 2021. And hopefully in that, hold space for you to process and 
move through the transition from last year to this year with space and grace and layers and nuance. Because I really think as much as I just want to (laughs) view 2020 as Voldemort and Harry Potter, like the name that shall not be named, I want 2020 to be the year that shall not be named. I think if we really want to squeeze out all of the breakthrough that is possible from this past year, we have to look backwards before we move forward. If we want to go into 2021 with vision and clarity and hope, we have to first pause and look back just a little bit longer into the discomfort of what this past year has meant for you, for me, for them, for us collectively. I do this workout called The Class by Taryn Toomey. Which, first of all, I think anyone that names their workout class the class has to be a super confident person because they're like, no, no, no. Our workout is the class, which I just love that about the class. I just, you know, I appreciate confidence. It's sort of this yoga meets cardio meets therapy. I kid you not, I've probably cried every other class I take, I cry. It's, it's just that good. And what I love about the class and Taryn is that they understand that the physical is never really just about the physical, but it's an invitation to the spiritual and mental and emotional and our inner world. They understand that how we show up for one thing is actually how we show up for everything. And a coach of mine told me that years ago, and I thought it was so annoying but mostly because it feels true. If I show up 80% in one area of my life, it probably is going to show up in other areas of my life. So how I show up on my mat, how I show up in my workouts is typically transcends off the mat as well. And I believe that the beginning of a path towards growth and breakthrough begins when we leave our comfort zone and leaving our comfort zone is uncomfortable. So in this class, in the class, it's sort of designed to really make you uncomfortable. For instance, we'll do squats for seven minutes straight or lay down on our back and do hip raises for six minutes straight. And (laughs) the repetition alone is at first, I honestly will feel better than other people in the class because I'm like, I'm an athlete. I was a collegiate athlete. I know what to expect. I've done this before. I know that the discomfort is coming because it's one thing to do 10 squats and it's another thing to do 250 in a row without a break. I think, oh, this isn't going to bother me this time. But inevitably, a few minutes in, my glutes start to burn. And then I start wondering, um, how long is this freaking song going to be anyways? And if this instructor tries to say one more thing about how discomfort is temporary, I think I'm going to punch her in the face. And then I judge myself for the experience being hard. And then all I want to do is quit. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't make it the seven minutes. In fact, a lot of times I don't. I need to take a break. And it honestly, it rarely fails that the moment I quit, it'll be like, and seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Why is it that 
something about my body wants to quit right before the finish line. It's like, I want to sit down right before the breakthrough. And sometimes I don't, sometimes I do make it to the end. And then in that, I surprise myself at how strong I am. You see in this workout, this workout of squats and hip raises and repetition, what happens is in the discomfort, the narratives start coming in the discomfort is when we start to grow. Now, discomfort is different than pain. If you're doing squats for 10 minutes and you're like, I just threw out my back, I need to sit down. That's one thing. But often we want to quit when we feel uncomfortable. And as I look through 2020, so much of it has felt uncomfortable. And I just want the discomfort to end. We are a culture that worships comfort. We want what we want when we want it, and we want it like yesterday. I mean, I the, my seamless delivery app alone, I can order piping hot any type of food at any hour of the day and have it at my doorstep hand delivered to me in under an hour. I want what I want when I want it. And when I don't get it, or if it feels uncomfortable, or if it takes longer than I think it should take, because I am the knower of all things, evidently, then I want it to end. But what if, like this workout class, the discomfort is here to teach us? What if in the discomfort of 2020, there's an invitation to grow. And the only way to get the lesson is to go through it to the other side. So I want to ask you, what did 2020 teach you? What did this global interruption bring up for you personally? What did you notice about those around you? What did discomfort show you about yourself? What are you like when you're uncomfortable? What are you like in conflict? How do you respond when things don't go your way? What happens? What's your knee-jerk reaction when people disagree with you? I mean, global pandemic aside, we had an intense election season, not to mention the pressure cooker of everything that unfolded with the BLM movement. What I experienced is people going to these extreme opposite sides that maybe that was always the way they leaned, but something about 2020 just kind of like sealed the deal of being on extreme opposite sides of things. And what I found for myself is as much as I say, I'm here to listen and learn and grow, I would be in conversations with the person on the other side really giving them lip service that I'm here to listen and build a bridge of connection. But in the moment realizing, actually, all I want to do is say I'm listening to them so that when it's finally my turn to talk, I can show them how right I am because I feel right and I feel just in my rightness. And so do I really like listening or do I really just like to listen to the sound of my voice? What does humility look like? What lessons could you not have learned about who you are, how you show up, how you do, how you be if you didn't go through 2020? What is the one lesson going into 2021 that you want to take with you? Because I don't know about you, but sometimes 
I have to learn it the hard way. So I have to go through the thing a thousand times. But what if you paused long enough to process and lean into the invitation of growth and the lesson so that you don't have to learn it a hundred more times? What is that for you? What is the nudge? What is the direction that the end of 2020 is now propelling you into? My takeaways are I am not in control. And the secret is that I was never in control, which I think was an interesting lesson for me because I don't resonate with the type A personalities. Like when I am around like an event planner, it I like that they're planning, but it kind of just feels cringy to me to be around like mega controllers. I'm like, let's just have fun. Let's chill. I'm cool. Let's go do yoga. I just want to be outside. Let's everything's breezy. And 2020 showed me as soon as the world stopped and nothing went my way and all my plans went out the window, I realized actually my external, I'm chill, I'm breezy is a veneer. Because underneath, I really do like to be in control. I have a calendar that is color-coded and a to-do list that is a mile long. And I love scratching things off those lists. And 2020 taught me I have so much more of an agenda than I thought. And the balance there is I think sometimes Christians or people of faith can hide behind spirituality to not take responsibility over their lives, i.e. in dating. Well, if God wants me to be married, then God's going to put this person in my life. Yes. And I get to take responsibility for how I'm showing up. And if I am in my own way, I can do something about that. So I think I have really focused so much on, okay, God, like you're going to do what you're going to do. And I want to play my part as well. And in that realizing, I think I, I had a tighter grip on control in my life than I thought. Another thing I learned in 2020 was I can listen to my body. (laughs) I can listen to my body and my body is speaking to me all the time. I believe God is speaking to our bodies all the time, but we miss it. I missed it. And I think a huge reason why I missed it for such a long time is I learned to quiet, to stuff down, to dismiss, to judge my heart, to judge my intuition. I learned in evangelical culture, my body is bad and my heart is deceitful above all things. So if I have a gut check that maybe this person isn't trustworthy, well, maybe I'm just being judgmental and I should I should just love on them. So I learned to dismiss my heart. I just learned to dismiss my intuition and believed that, yeah, above all things, my heart is deceitful. But I wonder if we are starting the story at the wrong chapter. Maybe the beginning of the story about who I am is not that I'm bad or that my heart is deceitful or that my body is gross and simple and I definitely shouldn't listen to it. Because the first chapter, the beginning chapter, if we go all the way back to the Hebrew creation account in Genesis 1, actually the very first thing that God says about humans is that we are made to be like them. 
We are made to be like God, to reflect God. So actually, before my first breath pulsing through my veins and my system is this God image. And the God image is there in me, regardless if I acknowledge or know God at all. That is placed on all humans the God image. And then God says, let us make humanity in our image and our likeness. And then God says, and it's very good. I'm not saying that there's not brokenness in the world and that things don't get twisted and turned or perverted. And that we, I, you don't need intervention and we don't need God in our lives. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, can things be broken, but still in essence, good? I think maybe so. The start of the story is that I'm very good. And the reality is that God doesn't make bad things. So if that's true, can I learn to trust myself? Perhaps the journey to getting to know God deeper in a more true and authentic way is a journey of returning back to who I am and who I have always been and who God has created me to be. So practical experience of this is living in New York has been a struggle almost the entire time. I got the flu four times my first year in New York. And it was pretty much like up and downhill since then. I struggled with anxiety, really very intense adrenal fatigue and autoimmune issues. And I would have moments of healing and restoration and where I worked really hard at getting better and healthy and whole. And then my body would just tap out. And around January 2020, my body just tapped out again. I was exhausted. I was felt like I could sleep 20 hours a day. I was like, oh my gosh, it's happening again. And I didn't know what to do, but my body was speaking loudly, rest, rest, rest. And I was like, you body, you don't know, you're deceitful. (laughs) And I have a book to write and I have a deadline and I have shoots to photograph and you don't know what you need. I need to push, push, push through. And then come March, this COVID thing was happening and the world started shutting down and I figured, okay, I'll just fly home to Dallas for a week because, you know, it'll, the world will be back up and running in a week. And so I flew home and one week turned into three months. And it was in that time away from New York that I was able to finally acknowledge how tired I was, how run down my body had become. And I felt like honestly, like a shell of a human for those first few weeks. And my mom would be like, do you want to go out and drive the car or anything? Like you're not really leaving the house and are you depressed? Are you okay? And I was okay. I just honestly felt as though I was on a wellness retreat (laughs) that I just needed to rest. And in that time, I also, I took AMH test for my fertility just to kind of see like, how's my body doing? I'm almost, I was almost 35 at the moment and just wanted to see where my body was and how healthy my eggs were. And I got really devastating results about my AMH levels. And my holistic doctor said that, you know, this isn't a diagnosis, this isn't a curse over you. Um, but you're 
our bodies know when it's a healthy and peaceful and restful time to have a baby and your body is not at peace right now. You are exhausted. So if you want to sort of reverse this, this fertility prognosis, you need to rest. And so my body was speaking to me from all these different angles that I need to slow down. Something about my lifestyle isn't working. And so actually, I have not shared this publicly at all yet. People in my life know and people have kind of guessed it a little bit. But I actually ended up leaving New York City summer, actually September of 2020 and moving to Texas. I actually bought a property in Austin, Texas, which I just honestly never thought I would ever be able to do. Like I, a few years before I was making less than $20,000 a year and now I'm a property owner. So I initially bought that property as an investment property and I wanted to do that. It felt like a big breakthrough for this year. I wanted to invest into my future. But the more I stayed away from New York, it was like the more I realized my body is screaming at me and my body has been trying to get my attention for a really, really long time. And at the same time, the idea of leaving New York felt absolutely devastating. I didn't want to leave New York. I still miss New York every single day, but I felt like I had this invitation from God. And I feel like the invitation was, when are you going to start listening to me? When are you going to start listening to your body? Yeah, you can push, you can push, you can push. But what if it doesn't have to be so hard? What if your body is speaking truth to you? And what if your body isn't lying to you? What if it's not being deceitful? What if it's just waiting for you to listen to her? And so I found myself (laughs) unexpectedly leaving my home of seven years in New York. You may have heard me talk about our Patreon community in the past. Patreon is an online platform that allows people who love and support podcasts to financially support them for as little as $5 a month. You can do that with the Refined Collective. It takes a freaking village. So we can use all the support and community that we can get. You can go to patreon.com slash the Refined Collective to join our Patreon community. But here is the exciting news about it that I wanted to share with you is we revamped our Patreon community. So in the past, it's been more like, if you love the Refined Collective, you can financially support us because it costs a lot of money to run this podcast. But now I really want to take care of you. I want to give you extra VIP access and exclusive content. So my Patreon community now gets access to exclusive video coaching content that I will release every single week in the Patreon community. So if you want to see the content, you have to be a part of the Patreon community. I talk about everything from how to know if he's emotionally unavailable or the the real tea and dirt on my personal dating life. So I will be answering specific questions that are coming from the Patreon community. So if you want special coaching access and exclusive content from yours truly, go to patreon.com slash the refined collective and you can sign up there. 
it was sad and it was hard and it was confusing and it was exciting and weird to leave in the middle of quarantine and a pandemic where I couldn't say goodbye to so many of the people and and communities that I had been doing life with for almost a decade. And I remember feeling so sad that I couldn't go to church one last time because church was online and most of my community had left New York during the pandemic. So it just felt, it felt really hard, which kind of leads me to another thing that 2020 taught me is I'm allowed to grieve and I'm allowed to process. And no one can tell me how long that process should or shouldn't be. Grief is inconvenient. <laughs> like it's not fun. But I think it's 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 real and I think I I feel like in the in the grief process of moving and transitioning all I wanted was to be excited about it. And I realized, man, like life really isn't really like happy all the time or joyous or grieving and sad and transition and all the things. I felt this merging of grief and excitement and sadness and happiness all at once. And to really honor that and give space for myself to feel the wave of whatever emotion wanted to come over me in the moment is a practice that I'm still learning to lean into. It was in this month time, I figuring out, am I going to move to Texas or not? And what do I do with my clients in New York? Do I keep them? Do I let them go? Within a few weeks, my dad, who struggles with addiction, started actively using again. And walking through that has been like experiencing the most intense loss and grief I've ever experienced in my life. My dad was sober for almost 15 years before he relapsed. And so also moving through this process with my dad, with my family has been reliving the most traumatic moments and days and years of my life as a child, again, as an adult. And then in that same time, my grandma, who was healthy, took a fall and within a week passed away. And on the day that she passed away, I had movers and boxes in my condo. And the week before I left, I found out my apartment had black mold, which pinpointed why I had been struggling with immune and health issues for the past five years. All of this stuff happened at once. And then in all of that, my publisher sent me my edits and said, this is due next week <laughs> in the middle of my grandma's funeral, wondering, where is my dad? Is he okay? Is he healthy? Afraid of missing any call because is any call going to be the call where we get the bad news? I, In the midst of all of that, I have to write a book that I feel so excited about writing, but it's like the worst timing. Anytime they send me an email for a deadline, it just has been the worst time. It was almost funny, but not because it was really hard and frustrating to be like, I feel like I have nothing left to give. I am neck deep in grief. I feel like all I can do is cry and 
stare at a blank wall because my brain is so foggy from the grief. And yet I still have a responsibility to create and work. And it just was really, really hard. All I want is to be done with the grief. I want the transition to be smooth. And for God's sake, the heaviness, the heaviness of working through trauma and pain and heartbreak and betrayal and grief. I, it reminds me of C.S. Lewis has this book called A Grief Observed. And it's his journals from after his wife passed away. And at this, at the time where his wife passed away, he had been this theological giant for years, writing books like Mere Christianity and having these sound tight arguments on the goodness of God. And then he goes through his heartache and it all goes out the window because grief, grief does that. And one of the things he said is, he says something like, when you're going through grief, like a valley of grief, and come up the other side, you're as you're going up and you can feel, okay, I'm leaving the valley. This is great. This is great. And then you get to the to the ridge and you see actually that wasn't the only valley. You're actually in an endless mountain range of peaks and valleys. And the only way to move through the grief is to keep grieving and keep taking steps forward. One of the things he says in his book is for in grief, nothing stays put. One keeps on emerging from a phase, but it always recurs round and round. Everything repeats. Am I going in circles or dare I hope I am on a spiral? But if a spiral, am I going up or down it? How often will it always be? How often will the vast emptiness astonish me like complete novelty and make me say, I never realized my loss till this moment. The same leg is cut off time after time. Will it always be this way? But then I remember those stupid squats in the class. (laughs) And I'm reminded that everything is temporary. Discomfort isn't the end. Pain isn't the end. Frustration isn't the end. Heartache, betrayal, brokenness. It's not the end. And the good, good news about who God is. And I feel like there were moments in 2020 where all I could do was kind of hang on with like one finger on a thread to this promise, that the promise of God is that God is committed to making all things new. And that means all things, all the things. So if you have walked through pain and grief, and disappointment and been blindsided by it in this past year, you are not alone. It's not always going to be this way. Pain isn't your destiny. It's not your legacy. But in order to get to the other side of it, we have to move through it. I have a tattoo written in script on my left forearm. It says, Selah. It's a Hebrew word used in the poetry book of the Psalms in the Old Testament of the Bible. When I think of the word Selah, I just think, inhale, say, <sighs> exhale, la. Because Selah is this word used in the Psalms between 
thoughts and phrases and verses. And for years, I just looked past it because I was like, what does Selah even mean? But it's actually an instruction, an invitation from the writer to be still, to pause, to maybe not move past this thought so quickly. Psalm 62, 8 says, Trust in God at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. It's like the writer is saying, wait a second. Don't move past this part so quickly. Don't move past I am your refuge. What if you breathed into that? exhaled into that, rested into that, sank into the truth that God is a refuge, Selah. Selah reminds me of the very end of a yoga class, the the final resting pose, the Shavasana, you know, after you do your workout, you lay down on your back for a few minutes. And when I first started doing yoga years ago, I thought that was such a dumb part. I was like, I don't have time. (laughs) I don't have time to rest. I have things to do. I have places to be. Plus, what's rest got to do with working out and getting stronger? (laughs) I know now that it perhaps has everything to do with it. Perhaps the growth happens in the being, the being still. And I think the beauty about even just that final pose in a yoga class is saying, is surrendering, surrendering to the process, surrendering to the work, trusting that I don't have to be doing all the time to be growing. It reminds me of how God created in six days and then said on the seventh day, rest, be still and know that I am God, says the psalmist, not do more and prove and earn your seat at the table and earn my love. The invitation is to be, but the surrender feels uncomfortable, right? And there it is again, the uncomfortable, the discomfort. It's in the being that the growth happens. It's in the surrender our hearts have the space to process, to feel, to grieve. And I say all this because all I want to do is move on from last year. (laughs) But 2020 happened. The entire world shut down and it sucked and it sucks. And I don't know when it's going to end. You don't know when it's going to end. And outside of a pandemic, if I went through, gosh, I can honestly say that last year was gosh, the one of the most painful seasons of my entire life. And what I know about my experiences is that if I experience that, then it probably means you may have, or someone you knew, or someone you know, or at some point you will be in that place. Last year, I've cried until there were no tears left and somehow another wave would come. i grieved deeply, processed, and want it to be over. I'm ready for the breakthrough. No more breaking, please. I'm ready for the breakthrough. But in order to get through to the other side, the breaking has to come. And I wonder if part of the breakthrough is having the courage to be in it, sit in it, feel all the feels like an ocean wave, letting it wash over us. And then before we rush out of it 
into the new year, look back through it, dissect it, ask it, what are you trying to teach me? Before we move on to 2021, what if we just stayed a moment longer and squeezed out all the lessons and learning that it has for us? So yeah, this isn't the episode I thought I would record for you, but it's the episode I needed and and hopefully it can support you. So my invitation is maybe don't rush so quickly out of this place, trusting that the discomfort won't last forever, that God is making all things new, and that growth begins when we step into the discomfort and we must move through it to the other side. So can you pause? Can you be? Can you be still? Can you be still and know? Can you be still and know that God is God? Breathe into it. Selah. So spend some time looking back before moving forward. I want to encourage you and speak truth over you and me. That breakthrough is coming. But first, we got to be willing to go through the breaking. And it's not often we get to experience such a collective breaking. But in that, it makes me hopeful that God wants to do something incredibly new in you and me and them and us. So here's to 2021 being that year of going through, of the breakthrough, of getting to the other side, of hopes lost to be reignited, of dreams that felt on the back burner to be reopened, of vision casting and of execution happening, of people falling in love. I want to fall in love this year. I just speak that over us, that this would be a year of love and laughter and release and surrender and trust and holding on to hope. I think it's time. All right. Cheers to 2021. Let's freaking do this. Thank you so much for being with me in this episode today. We have a really exciting year coming up. My book, Sexless in the City, is sometimes sassy, sometimes painful, always honest look at dating, desire, and sex comes out in a few months. April 20th, 2021, my book releases. You can pre-order it right now at bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash cat, K-A-T dash sexless. That's bit.ly slash cat dash sexless. And you can pre-order my book. And I'm also going to be launching soon some pre-order goodies. So if you have already pre-ordered my book, email me a copy of your receipt at social at the And so when those goodies come out, I want to be sure and send them to you. And then also I'm going to be putting together a book launch team. And these are going to kind of be my ambassadors for Sexist in the City and for the vision of it. So if that is something at all you are interested in, again, email social at the And I would love to get you some information about that. Next week, we have Anthony O'Neill, financial guru. We talk about how I got out of $30,000 of debt. He gives us really practical ways to save and financially plan, which hello, January, let's start talking about financial plans of 2021. Then we have Jasmine Starr, one of my favorite humans in the world, Bianca Oltoff's twin. I mean, the most powerful twins I think I know. (laughs) Jasmine Starr and Bianca Oltoff. 
and let's just go and throw Chloe and Haley in there as well. But Jasmine is talking about an incredible breakthrough story, her adoption process. And then finally, we also have Ruthie Lindsay coming up. She came out with a book last year called There I Am. And I'll leave you with a quote from our conversation and from her book. She says, just because you know a story by heart doesn't mean it's true. 